and we're back with another episode of the MDM Podcast. I'm Joe Morales, or my co-host, Trevor Markowski. How you doing, Trevor? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing good, Trevor. I have this Vancouver Canucks-St. Louis Blues game on the background. And uh, your team, the Vancouver Canucks, up to a one nothing lead. It was a Bo, uh, Horvat goal, and uh, they're looking good so far. Yeah, they are looking good. The energy's up. You know, they, they got fight. You know, I'm, I'm, a little, I'm excited right now. I, I like what I see. You should be excited. They're a nice, young team. And uh, we both agree. We have, we both picked the Canucks in seven games. So me and Trevor have this game on in the background. We'll, uh, we'll keep you updated on, as it goes on. And I've been watching a lot of Stanley Cup. And the game last night with Columbus and Tampa Bay that went five overtimes, yeah, broke a, a ton of, riper, of records. Carposalo had... Over 80 saves, that's an NHL record. And the game went into overtime at like 5 o'clock, maybe a little after. And I was at a buddy's house, and we went, and when we got to overtime, we went swimming, we uh, we had a wiffle ball game, we got something to eat, and we come back, and it's like 8 o'clock, and the game's still going on there in the fourth overtime. That was an unbelievable game. I, six, I think I watched most of that game, and that was you know unbelievable. It kept going on and on and on. You know, it was a, the intensity never went down. It was still, you know, back and forth. The intensity was like still where it was in the first period. That was the most amazing part of the game. Yeah, and what a way to kick off the Stanley Cup playoffs in a bubble, right? How about that? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so the Stanley Cup playoffs goes on. We'll get to the Islanders in a couple minutes. Who won five to two? But we're going to start with the baseball, and uh, we'll start with the Yankees in general because Aaron Judge was added tonight's lineup with a lower with lower body tightness. And Boone said it was it was from playing in Tampa. And I'm realizing here now, Trevor, Boone has a communication problem because he told us last night that he came out of the game on Tuesday because he had uh, he didn't want to risk turf toe from playing in Tampa Bay, and they were up 8-3. to three, So we took Judge out just to be cautious. And it was a little fishy. But then today you find out that he's struggling with lower back tightness. And this isn't the first time he's done this. So, Trevor, why couldn't Aaron Boone just come out and say last night, you know, something's up with Judge, we'll have more info before the game tomorrow. He's created this disconnect from team to, to media and fans, and uh, it's, it's not good. It's not a good look for the Yankees. I, I agree. Should have been honest 100%. Now, I don't think the injury is that serious. I think if it, I think if Judge had to go tonight, I think he would have went. I, I mainly think he's not playing tonight because they have an off day tomorrow. And they're going to give him the two days off, and then he's going to play Friday. That's my opinion. I don't think it's a serious thing. This time we had Acuna with the wrist. He, had, he didn't play this series. I don't think that's a serious thing either. I just think, you know, I just think for judges, you know, they gave him off because it was an off day just to give him the two days rest. Well, I, I, really, I, I really hope you're right. And one thing that was was good was that he wanted to play tonight. He told Boone that he was, he was ready to go in case they needed him, but Boone being cautious kept him out. But – it's not even the injury that bothered me. It was that the Boone wouldn't tell us last night what was wrong with our superstar player, Aaron Judge. It was there's a disconnect from the manager to the media and the fans, and that was that was what that's what bothered me. It wasn't that Judge was hurt. I mean, it did bother me that Judge is hurt, but like you said, it doesn't seem like a serious injury, and he'll be ready to go Friday against the Red Sox. But it was it was that Boone lied that bothered me. I agree. I think you know, he's got to be more honest with the, the media, the fans. I think they have a right to know. Yeah, I agree. And it's a good thing we have a Clint Frazier that can come up and take Judge's spot. And welcome back, Clint Frazier. Goes three for four in this game. And uh, with the home run and the double and another single, he was only a triple shy of the cycle. So uh, welcome back, Clint Frazier, Trevor. Well, everybody has one 
you know, everybody has a good game. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot. You're not a big fan of Clint Frazier. I forgot that. I mean, there's no, there's no question. I don't like the kid, you know, but the kid has talent. There's no, you can't take that oh, away. Oh, of course. You can't take that away. And, you know, he has the attitude problems. But um, he sat down with Boone and Cashman the other day, and he asked them, he was honest, he said, where is my spot on this team? Are you okay with, with Frazier doing that, or is that too much? I, I don't know. I have to see it in a conversation. What I can tell without the, right. the dialogue. That, with, I, don't, I think his future is with a different team. That's, that's my opinion. I don't it, think his future is here. It's, it's clearly obvious that Boone and the Yankees don't like him. But like you said, you can't deny that he has an extraordinary amount of talent, and you can't let it waste and rot in the minor leagues. So he's going to get a shot now with Judge being hurt for however long. Stanton's going to be out for, they say, three to four weeks, but that's out to a month, Trevor. And so this kid's going to get a shot. And you know what? Come up to the big leagues, you go th- three for four in your first game. Uh, it's a good sign, and this guy's going to get playing time. I agree with you. And the one good side about Judge is that he had his jersey on tonight. He wasn't in the, you know, the street clothes that I like to call. He really looked like he was ready to go if they needed him. Right, and that's that's what he said before the game. So that, that was good. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking down this lineup tonight. And looking at Mike Ford, uh, his past couple of games not doing too well. He goes 0 for 5 tonight. He's down to hitting 185. So maybe Clint Frazier, even when Judge gets back, he's going to slot into this DH spot because I liked Mike Ford to be the DH when Stanton, uh, when Stanton got hurt. But you know what? Really struggling right now. be a good idea to put Frazier in that DH spot. Maybe. You know, he did have a big game yesterday. He did have a couple big hits that he, he did come through for. It. And for Ford, he hasn't played all the games, so his average is going to bounce around a lot. You know, five at-bats, he goes out 100 points. He's only played like eight or nine games. So I think, you know, you have to wait and see. I mean, it's a very small sample size right now with Ford. Right, but if you're asking me who I'm going to play, either Mike Ford or Clint Frazier, I'm taking Clint Frazier 100% of the time. I think Mike Ford's a great ball player. Like you said, he's super clutch, and he's a left-handed bat, which is awesome in Yankee Stadium. But Clint Frazier's the better player, and uh, it's his time to come up here and uh, impact the lineup like he did tonight. So when you have a judge in there, I'm putting Frazier at the edge spot. I agree with you. The, the one thing with Frazier is I don't know how he hits with that mask on. How would you be able to say yeah, how does he able to see him? He has that thing all up to his nose. I don't know how he's able to see the pitch, but well, clearly doesn't affect him. Two, he's hit two home runs. He hit one in that in the summer camp game, and he's hit one uh, tonight. Tonight, yeah, it clearly hasn't affected him. But um, yeah, that, that's some notes from the Yankee lineup. But we'll get back to that in a second. But how about Masahiro Tanaka tonight? Great stuff. Sorry, I dropped my pen. Great stuff, except for that one up and in pitch to Johan Camargo that he took deep. But other than that, Tanaka only gave up five hits in four innings. You know, he Tanaka's about the finesse stuff. He's not about the swing and miss stuff. He's not like a Loisega. He's not gonna blow it past you. But um, he had his stuff going tonight. I like what Tanaka did. Yeah, you know, again, he didn't have his best stuff, but you gotta find a way. He found a way tonight after the home run. And and I, I heard a, a quote that Al Leiter said one time: "says If you make thirty starts in the season, right, in a normal season." You're gonna have five stuff where you're gonna five starts where your stuff is just tremendous, and five starts when you have your worst stuff. Right. The key is for your season is the twenty starts in between there. That's gonna determine your season where your stuff is so so. Right, and he doesn't need to be one hundred percent, especially coming back from this concussion. But you know what? If this is what he's gonna give me, like next start where he goes six innings of, of two-run ball, sign me up right here. I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, and the one thing I have to watch out for, Tanaka, is that the home run ball has uh, always played. 
Right. And Johan Camargo. And for the Braves in general, this Braves team swings at everything. And especially fastballs. And I heard the broadcast team repeatedly tell us that Camargo, what was it? It was a, a, a some of the, he only swings at fastballs is what they were trying to say. So, Johan Camargo, when he, t- when he gets this fastball up and in, he's going to go with it. And for uh, for this Braves team in general, they swing at everything. Yeah, they they do it. You know, the bullpen tonight did a good job yep. for the most part. Right. Um, low IC could pitch well. He he he, he had a velocity of ninety eight, which I really like. Right. And he he got the win tonight. Yeah. Yeah, and Green looked good. Avilon looked good. Uh, Jonathan Holder a little shaky, but uh, he still got the ERA down at uh just around one. So I'm not too worried about Holder either yet, Trevor. Yeah, I don't understand Boom why he has to make 8,000 pitching changes to uh, get those out. I mean, he, should, he could have let Adovino go a little bit more than one batter. Yeah, the, I don't know what's going on with Adovino. He's not using him a lot. Since the doubleheader last weekend, he hasn't been used a lot. Yeah, I gotta... he hasn't. Maybe he's just respite. You know, the, 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 the thing is, Lois and Adeline have stepped up in Canley's absence to take his spot. Right, and hold on, we got to pause right here. Sorry, Trevor, we're, I'm, my phone is going off the hook. One second. And we're back. Sorry, we had a little bit of a delay there, but Trevor was going on about the bullpen. Go ahead, Trevor. They were, they're, they're filling their spot, Canley and Avilon, which is pretty good. And I've been impressed by Avilon and Low I so I think they should get more uh, reps in the big innings. Right, and if, if I can make something about the bullpen, uh, we, we didn't have a show last night, so we weren't able to talk about last night's game, but – it seems last night the Yankees couldn't get the job done when it came to the bullpen. So, Trevor, would you be opposed to this deadline going out there and getting a smaller bullpen arm just to solidify this and and get a guy in there to replace Tommy Canley? And it's going to be a dull trade deadline, but I think it's uh, it should be a priority for the Yankees to go out there and get a little bit of bullpen help with this trade deadline. No, I agree. And one of the tough decisions the Yankees have is because you have Hale and all that is, when Chapman comes back, is apparently he's close. Who goes down? Yeah, it, it could be a. You can't send down Sessa because he doesn't have options, and he looks awful. I think Luis Sessa, regardless yeah, of options, he might just go down and talk. They might just DFA him. He's looked awful. But uh, yeah, you, I, I, I never liked him. Yeah, he's, he's never been able to figure out his stuff at the major league level. So you know, while we're on that topic, if, if Chapman comes back, I think I think Sessa's the one that's gone. Me too. I think Sessa could be gone. Hale's pitched fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I think so far I think the bullpen's really stepped up. Yeah, out of the guys used tonight, the I'm looking at the this is by ERA. Alvilon's got an ERA just north of three, which isn't horrible for a from for a middle innings guy. You know that's not particularly awful. No, and and you talk about guys being sent down. Normally, I think in the past has been holding. So yeah, we'll see if that holds up. And no, but he's pitched fine except for today. I think today was his first time he gave up a run. But he's looking yeah. fine in general. Yeah, I'm just telling you, even when he's pitching fine, he didn't want me sending him down. Right. So that's 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 what happened with the pitching tonight. And then, of course, they they did score six runs. And DJ LeMahieu goes four for five. Trevor, this offseason, it's becoming clearer and clearer that the Yankees just need to hand this guy a blank check and and just bring him back for whatever he wants because he is so important to this team right now. I agree. This is by the way, this is six <laughs> runs tonight. No judge and no stand. Right. And and that. Good. That shows, that shows pretty good depth in the in the lineup. Right, but this is this is just Lemayhu. You know, four for five. He's got his average up around four thirty one now. So you're talking about Lemayhu 
possibly hitting 400 this year in in the early uh in the early weeks. But he seems to be the only guy, and it carries over from last year, who comes up and gets the big hit. And Sanchez had a home run today. Uh, Torres had a weak hit, but he he got on the board with a hit. But so, but particularly besides Lemayhu, besides Voit and a couple others, the bottom of this lineup is not performing. I, I think Torres is close. I, I've seen his at bats. Some are out, but I see some are starting to get better. I've seen he's starting to take pitches. He's not swinging at everything. I think he's close. Yeah, I'll tell you this. Torres looks a lot better than Sanchez does right now because Sanchez still swings at everything. He he got he got a breaking ball right over the middle of the plate that he was able to pull today. But Torres, like you said, is taking pitches. He's going the other way with the ball. And when you're struggling, you you, you like to go the other way with the ball because when you're struggling, you, you normally tend to pull it. So when he's going the other way, I like to see that. So, yeah, I think that Torres is miles ahead of Gary Sanchez right now. And, and remember, we went back on Monday, and I said the Yankees' best thing was to have this off day today, and it turned out they did. They played really well the, these two games. And I, in a weird season like this, where you play a lot of games, the Yankees have two off days in, in the same week, which is odd. And I'll tell you, they have another they have another two off day week, uh, the week of the 23rd. They get a tw- the 24th, which is a Monday off, and then the 27th, which is another Thursday off. So the off days here are very not spread out. They're very clumped together. Yeah, and the MLB schedule tomorrow, I think it's only <laughs> six games very late. Yeah, yeah, and one of them's the Mets at noon, at 1 o'clock. Yeah, so I think, and then Red Sox uh, Friday, I think, didn't say yet, but it looks like it's going to be cold. Yeah, and you know what? The Yankee offense is going to carry over against the Boston Red Sox, who look awful, by the way. Give They think, let me get the score up right here. I think they gave up like ten runs to the to the Tampa Bay. They got nine runs. Give up nine runs to the Tampa Bay Rays. Say Red Sox are down at six and twelve, and the Yankees at twelve and six. So they're reverse records. But Red Sox look like look like one of the worst teams in baseball right now. They they really do. And you know, speaking of the pitching when they face Cole, I don't think Cole has been as advertised, and he hasn't even pitched in any game yet. No, and he hasn't he hasn't been his regular Garrett Cole, but he's gotten the job done. So maybe a, 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 a start against a lineup like the Red Sox tomorrow, which isn't bad, but it's not as good as it used to be. Like you're sitting down at 6-10, and 10, mainly because of the pitching, but the, the, the lineup is not as good as it used to be. So maybe it takes Garrett Cole this weekend to uh, to get him out of his so-called slump. And I hate calling it a slump because he's not doing bad. He just doesn't have his strikeout stuff yet. No, I mean, he did have 10 strikeouts against Tampa. Right. And so he was – now – you know, if he brings his, you know, that B game, hey, it's a pretty good B game. You know? It is a great I, B game. And let, let me I tell you, have... me, me and you could strike out 10 Tampa Bay Rays batters right now, Trevor. Well, yeah, They're that's awful. true. But um, but still, you know, you still got to do it. Obviously. Yeah, right. The velocity. But that B game, you know, I would I would take that a couple of starts. Right now, I have, I have no complaints of Cole. Me neither. Me neither. And it, you know the strikeout stuff is going to come. It's just a matter of when. And I, I, I give him the benefit of the doubt in the short season. It's going to take us some time to get there. But um, maybe we see it this weekend. Maybe on Monday we're having a totally different conversation about Garrett Cole. But do you want to add anything else about the Yankees? No, it's just that the game, uh, the Blues tied the game. Oh, they just did. Who was that? Uh, Petrangelo, maybe? I can't see right now. I think Perron. Okay. All right, David Perron. Okay. So, yeah, tie power game play. with 323 to go in the first. And both, both, both goals power plays. Yeah. And then that just goes to show you it happened in the Islander game today, which we'll get to in a few minutes. These power plays and penalties are not to be take, uh, messed with in the playoffs. You cannot be having, or you not cannot be allowing seven penalties like the New York Islanders did today. But no, we'll get to that, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, let's Yankees again, twelve and six, off day tomorrow, and then um Red Sox for three. But let's get over to the New York Mets, <clears throat> who actually won today. And it's rare to see the Yankees and the Mets win on the same day, but uh they did. Eleven six. And before the game we found out that Robert Zellman was uh, going to be the starter. I don't like this at all. He hasn't started the game in three years. He's coming off a big bicep surgery, and it's not the best idea to just throw him into a uh, a major league rotation without any experience in the minor leagues uh, in in three years and coming off of this major arm surgery. Yeah, I I agree. I don't even the Mets didn't even pitch that well tonight, and they still and they got away with it just because the Nationals pitching was just worse. Right, and Gasselman gave up three runs in two innings. And you had Wilson who gave up a, a run. Now, Patances was better tonight. He struck out all three guys. He lost him way down to like 94. Yeah, that's not a good sign with him. And he, But you know what? He always has his velocity down early in the season. I feel like the past couple of years when he was in Yankee camp, everyone would get so nervous that his velocity's down. But every year he turns that fine, exception to last year when he has his Achilles torn. But I think he's been relatively fine when his velocity is down. What he's doing with the Mets right now is not acceptable. That's not Delon Batanzas we see right here. Well, no, he did, he did, he did strike out the sides. And everything. Right, but the, the year in general, that's not a normal Delon Batanzas year, year so far. Yeah, but to be fair, when he got that strikeout, that was, the game was pretty much, pretty game, the game was Game's pretty over. much a ball. Yeah. But uh, Luis Rojas surprised me today, Trevor, when he said that Giselman is a starter for the rest of the season, which again, why? Uh, you have Michael Walker. He's coming back soon. Why take him out for Robert Zellman, who, who's been in the bullpen for three years and hasn't started since 2017? Why put him into a rotation and take out a starter? I, I don't know. I think he's trying to find anything right now because he knows the pitching is horrendous right now. He knows tonight that that he got away with it tonight. And they should, I think they should have lost that game tonight, in my opinion. Well, the way they pitched, definitely. But the Nationals are just worse. So when you have a team that's just worse than you, take advantage of that. But um, yeah, that's another well, Luis Rojas move that I'm not a fan of. Go ahead. No, no, and I, uh, people have to remember this too. It was a long game. Nationals left three nothing at the end, at the end of the top of the first. Yeah, and if, if <laughs> I kind of thought the game was over then, you know, when when it was three nothing and Sm- Juan Soto, who as a Met fan, if you're a Met fan and you don't hate Juan Soto right now, what are you waiting for? Every time you play him. He hits bombs. Home runs over 450 That feet. was some shot. Oh, uh, yeah. A couple days in a row now, he's hit home runs. And as a, If you're a Met fan, how can you not hate this guy already? He's like Chipper Jones again. Except in younger form. Yeah. And so after the first inning when they were losing 3 nothing, I thought the game was over because you have Robert Dezelman coming in. Again, hasn't started in three years. I had no faith in this team to come back. Yeah, it turns out in the end that they – that Gaselman did not do anything really. I mean, no impact got, on the game. Yeah, got help. He got help by the offense, and he got help by uh, in that pitching from Washington. Right, and it was thankfully because Pete Alonso finally he might be turning the corner here. He had three hits today, including a mammoth home run down the left field line. And how important is it if this guy gets it right? If this guy is hot, he can single handedly put this team on his back and and win ball games. Yeah, yeah, it's a big F. We'll have to see. It's been two games. He has to keep doing it. Yeah, he, he just has to keep going. And maybe he needed he needed a series like this where he's going to face Anibal Sanchez. And I think, I don't even know, who did he face yesterday? Yesterday was Scherzer, right? Scherzer, and tomorrow is uh, Andrew Voss. Yeah, so, yeah, tomorrow he's facing a nobody. So maybe bumping him down to five in the lineup is taking some pressure off his back. 
He's behind Conforto yeah. now, and Dom Smith's behind him. So maybe he's, you know, adapted to this fit spot for a little while. Yeah, I, I, I can see him trying it out. And uh, just if anybody's curious, the Mets have David Peterson on the mound tomorrow. Who's looked pretty good so far. He's looked pretty good so far. So I, I would expect to be the Mets to be a small favorite in the game. Yeah, you'd expect, but again, with this team, I I can't expect anything from them. One day, one day they're hot, one day they're cold, one day their bullpen's working, the next day they don't they don't have a starter. So I I yeah. don't know what to believe with this team. I don't believe it. Uh, who knows what you can see? And for the weekend they're at the Phillies, and Friday is the Guam. and it's the Marlins, right? No, the Phillies. They get the Phillies. I thought they get the Marlins this weekend. Is it the, no? I think no. It's the Phillies. The Phillies is next weekend. Wait, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. They get the Phillies this week. I'm looking. I'm looking the wrong week. But yeah, so they get the Phillies away. So the Grom's getting the start in Philly. But Dom Smith also had a home run today, and I think it's fair to say that the DH spot is his now. He's two for four. Uh, he's 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 looked great, and I think the DH spot is his. Yeah, I, I would think the DH spot could should be his now because you know it's not a power bat in the lineup. He's a le- lefty bat, and you know, he fits well at City Field. And uh, you know yeah. when he, he hitting right now, he's hitting two forty three with an OPS of nine forty two. So it, batting average doesn't show much there, but it's fair to say that this spot is his. And uh, yeah. home run today, he looked great. And one more thing on the Mets, you don't like when I say this, but Andres Jimenez looks great with the bat, looks great with the glove, and if he keeps this up, Trevor. Ahmed Rosario might be on his way out of shortstop. If this kid, I'm just saying, if this kid keeps going, maybe we have a new shortstop in Queens. Maybe, maybe. Yes, right. It's only been you know, couple uh, games, right? Yeah, I mean, but but look look better than Rosario has this year. Yeah, I don't think Rosario was ever that great. He he had a decent year last year, and you know what it was? They threatened him to move him to center field last year, which woke him up. But I don't think Ahmed Rosario is all that great. I think he has he has a lot of potential. But look out for this Andres Jimenez kid. He looks for real. Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. I think it's a big if right now. Mets are eleven and six. Like Trevor said they get the Phillies this weekend. And uh the Mets need to turn their season around here. They're lucky to be only three games under five hundred. I that record kind of surprised me. I thought they were much worse than eight and eleven. But um yeah, it just goes to show you how baseball season could turn around. And uh, they're not playing like an 8-11 and team. They are much worse than that. But whatever. So anything else you want to add on the Mets? No. Okay, more people are calling me. I'm getting a lot of spam calls tonight. I'm so sorry, Trevor. But, um, okay, let's go to the Brooklyn Nets, who get one more tune-up against the Trailblazers tomorrow, who are going to be playing for it all. And all the Nets are going to play instead of, the, uh, instead of rest. And we'll see how they fare against the team that is going to be playing for a playoff spot. And uh, the Blazers just need to win, and they got the eight seed. And uh, there's no doubt in my mind they're going to do that, Trevor. Well, I think this game could be a blowout just because the Blazers are going all out. Right, and they, like I said, they're going to actually be playing for stuff. But if you look at the bigger picture in the Western Conference, the Blazers can sit on their hands, they can just get the win tomorrow against the Nets, and they have that eight seed. But the only way they don't make the playoffs... Because the nine seed is still a playoff technically, so to get a nine seed, they need two losses from Memphis, Phoenix, or San Antonio. That's if they lose. But again, you get the win and you're in. Yeah, they, you know, seeding is very important actually, because you know you only have to win the game once instead of twice. Right. I, so I, tomorrow is going to be a very telling day. Now the first two games don't mean anything. The twelve o'clock and one thirty game don't mean anything. Right. It's the 
four o'clock game that starts all the action. Right, and it goes all the way up to the nine o'clock game on TNT with the Nets, and it's going to be yeah. all day. Every game is going to mean something, with the exceptions of the two early games and the one other late game at the Pelicans and Magic. And by the way, just as something, Giannis is headbutt, headbutting. I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up. Yeah, go ahead. It actually is important because he's suspended he's out. against Memphis. Yeah, yeah. And if we can go, take, t- we could take a second on this. You know, the couple days ago with the Nets, Giannis um threw Dante Hall to the ground, and then before he headbutts uh Mo Wagner. So this Giannis guy is, is is a bit of a hothead, and you know it is a bit of a hothead. And for the four games tomorrow, that means something. I have the lines right here. Good. Okay, the Bucks are a four point favorite against the Grizzlies. That's really low considering how the Grizzlies have played in the bubble, one and six, and they're they're without uh, Jaron Jackson. But it's again the Bucks are without Giannis. Go ahead. Um, Suns are five and a half against the Mavericks. Okay. They're they're on the dogs or favorites? Favorites. Okay. The Spurs are a six and a half point favorite against the Jazz. Minus six. Six and a half. And what's Memphis? Four? Plus four? Plus four. Plus four. Okay. What's Portland against Brooklyn? Portland is a nine point favorite. Okay. So yeah, I'm but you know, Trevor, I'm I'm looking at Memphis right now, and their path is it's not as, as harsh as San Antonio's. But they need a lot to go right. So if they want to get the A seed, they need a win and Portland to lose. Which, let's call it like it is, Trevor. This Brooklyn Nets team has surprised a ton of people. And I know you like to say Portland's playing for something. But the Nets are going to play spoilers here, I think. So I'm not saying they're going to win, but they're they're going to they're play a basketball game. So it's not out of the wrong possibility that Portland loses the game against Brooklyn. Uh, I would say the best bet tomorrow is you take Portland minus nine. You, you think so? Oh, yeah, I, I'm not buying the Nets' success at all. There's a lot of holes in the success. It is. Right, they beat the Magic. I don't think the Magic are that good. Beat, beat no. the Bucks. They beat, they beat the Wild out with second half without their start. Hey, you know what? Giannis played when they were winning, Trevor. They did, but the, the second half, they weren't really playing funny things. Yeah. And then when they played the Clippers, they weren't playing anything either, so I'm not buying it. All right, but you know, Memphis also gets the nine seed with a win. So here's where, here's yeah, this is it for Memphis. If Memphis wins, they're in. But we both agree they're not going to win. It was, actually, I didn't ask you that. Do you think they're going to win? I think they're going to win Memphis. I can't see them winning, dude. They're 1-6. John Morant's going to put this team on his shoulders and actually win a game down here. 1-6 is, 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 is... They're awful. I agree. And San Antonio has like an impossible way to get in. Oh, yeah, I got this. For them to get the 9 seed, they need a win... And a combination of losses from Memphis, Phoenix, or Sacramento. So, San Antonio is playing uh, the Utah Jazz. So, that's a playoff team. So, they need the win. And then, I think Memphis is going to lose. So, then they need Phoenix, who's 7-0 in the bubble against the Dallas Mavericks, to lose. And then, uh, San, uh, who else they need to lose? Portland? Portland. Portland. And I think, I think it's just Phoenix, Portland, or Memphis. It's I for San Antonio. I have a combination of two. I could be wrong though. Like it needs it needs to be two of those games to happen. Like like yeah. Phoenix and Portland would have to lose, or Portland and Memphis, or Phoenix and Memphis. So like two of the teams would have to lose. Yeah, I think it's right here. It says ESPN says a win plus combined two losses yes. from Phoenix and Portland. Yeah, right there. Yeah. So their path is a lot harder 
than the Memphis Grizzlies, who simply need a win. But we haven't talked about the Phoenix Suns yet, who to get the ninth seed, I think they will, need a win and a loss by either Portland or Memphis. So tomorrow, if we can just give our quick predictions, uh, I think the Bucks beat the Grizzlies, the Suns beat the Mavericks, the, uh, the Jazz beat the Spurs, and then the Blazers beat the Nets. So let me do that math real quick, but who do you have? Well, I have the Grizzlies winning. Hmm? I have the Suns winning. I have the Jazz, and I have the Blazers. So uh-huh, I'm just, let me do that math real quick. So I have the Spurs losing and then the Blazers winning. So that's a Blazers-Suns 8-7 uh, and seven seed, respectively, for me. And the Grizzlies are out, even if they win. The Grizzlies, if the Grizzlies, no, if the Grizzlies win, they're in. Well, I have them winning. So you have the Grizzlies at the nine seed. Yeah. Yeah, I don't buy that at all. I don't think a team that's one in six without one of their best players is going to go out and beat the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis or without. Like, it's still a very good team, and they're probably resting. I couldn't speak to who they're playing tomorrow. But I don't think the Memphis Grizzlies are all that good a basketball team right now. I just I think they're gonna win tomorrow. I I, I really do. I'm I'm rooting for uh, Memphis to win. Mm-hmm. I want to see them get the eight seed because I'm very scared of Portland. Right. <laughs> so I want them to win. Well, shouldn't you want, want Phoenix to, to go then? Because Phoenix could probably beat Portland. Well, Phoenix, I'm I'm rather play Phoenix. You, that's what I'm saying. So wouldn't you rather Phoenix get the win? And have to play Portland in the eight versus nine, then have you Portland play Memphis and Memphis get blown out. So many beat Portland. So many beat them. The, but but I think there's a better chance of Phoenix beating the the Blazers than the 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 Grizzlies beating the Blazers. Like the, the Suns be right. have a better chance to win. You might be right. Right. So um yeah. So we talked a lot about the Western Conference, which spread off of the Nets. But um, you want anything else on the on those big games tomorrow? No, the only thing I would say is, though, is the uh, undercard games earlier in the day, my Lakers at one thirty. if that means anything. Yeah, but you know what? If I, if you know what I can tell you real quick, they're playing the Kings. you got two California teams going right here. You're having a 10.30 in the morning game for these fans in California? Well, oh, I mean, to be, to be fair, the game doesn't really mean anything. Right, but it's, if a person in California... Okay, let me ask you this. If you live in California, would you get up at 10.30 to watch a game? Well, I was up at 11 to watch the hockey game. Well, like, exactly. So wouldn't it make more sense to flip the Pelicans-Magic game with the Kings-Lakers game, even if you thought the Pelicans would be somewhat involved? Yes. Like, I don't understand the, the reasoning behind having two California teams play a 130 Eastern game. That doesn't make sense to me. I, I agree with you. And to go off in the Lakers a little bit, that was a really nice win. Just that confidence building, just practicing. Oh, yeah, that more. was an exciting game. What just a shot from Kuzma. Experience. Yeah. But, um, but if yeah, Kuzma, if Kuzma plays like the way he did against Denver, they're going to be a tough out. Oh, yeah, 100%. They're, they're my picks to win it all, Trevor. You know that. Um, yeah, well, I hope I hope your pick is right. I think you're, you have him winning too, right? Of course. Oh, of course, I'm winning too. You know, the, the, Le, LeVon says that the championship is dedicated to the fans that, you know, there was six or seven years and the team was no good. They had 20 wins. Right. I, I was there for those six or seven years. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. I'll, I'll be rooting for them, Trevor. But you know like, what? I, we'll, we'll talk about it in another show. But if the Nets win tomorrow, if the Nets beat the Blazers tomorrow, then I expect them to take one or two games from the Raptors in, in this coming series. 
Maybe, maybe we'll see. I, I, I have a couple of ne- uh, friends who are net fans, and they were texting. You believe this, and that's and this and that. And I'm not buying that at all. Uh we'll see. We'll see if ever. It'll be a totally different discussion when I uh, put uh, playoff start, which is Monday. But um, yeah. let's get over to the hockey to wrap up the show. The Islanders got the win today. They win five to two, and they lead the series over Washington one nothing. Jordan Eberle, Anders Lee, who got into a fight, and it's rare to see captain drop the gloves. But Anders Lee scored, Bailey scored, and Anthony Bavillier scored. But don't let the score fool you. The Isles were not the better team through two periods of this game. And in the end, they made seven penalties, and the Capitals just didn't take advantage of it. Yeah, I, I hope you let them back in the game. There's a couple of easy goals that he let by, I think, too, to give the Islanders the win in the end. But, you know... A win's a win. Right. But one of those goals you mentioned was on a penalty. It was Josh, it was a Josh Bailey goal scoring shorthanded. But credit to the Islanders. They came out hot in the third period, and right away, Anders Lee tied it. And then later yeah. on, Bovillier gave him some breathing room, and the Isles held on for the win. But it was a great confidence booster, booster for the Islanders to come out here as the underdog and get the get the first one of the series. It was a great win for the a, Islanders. A well offensive explosion from the Islanders. Yeah, and you know what? It don't let the, they watch you win four to two today, not five to two. Sorry, but um, don't let this team get hot. I tweeted this out when this team has its goaltending going and its defense going, and then you add on the very underrated offense to this team with Anders Lee and Eberle and Bovillier. When you put all this together, this is a really, really dangerous hockey team. I I agree. I haven't been the finals, so I, I have I haven't won in the cup. <laughs> I I am losing to the Avalanche. Yeah, and we both agreed because me and Trevor exchanged our um our brackets before. We both have Islanders Avalanche in the cup. I have the Islanders win, and he has the uh, Avalanche. But that just goes to show you how high we are on this Islander team when they're right. And in game one, they were on Trevor. Yeah, and another similar team tonight that lost to a good Philadelphia team, the Montreal Canadiens. They hung in there all the way, even though they lost tonight. That's going to be a tough series. And I had it before the series. I, I had Montreal beating Philadelphia. I think that Montreal is going to beat Philadelphia. No, yeah, I, I, I don't think the Habs stand a shot at all. You know, they, how hot the Flyers were in the round robin. But it was a close game today, but that's going to be an easy series for the Flyers. They're probably winning. They probably sweep. I don't think. So. I don't think so. I think it's going to be seven games. We'll have to see then. We'll have to see uh, where we stand on Monday. Where? Well, I, I give Montreal a lot of credit though. I mean, you know, they could have caved in. They could have been easily five seven one, but they hung around. Yeah, and credit to uh, Carey Price who looked good today. But um, yeah, that was a good, that was a good game. Yeah, it really was, and it's been a great. Uh, first couple days for the Stanley Cup playoffs with the the five overtime game and the and the Montreal game, like Trevor said and earlier today, the Carolina game and the Islanders. A great way to start the uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. But um, you want anything else, Trevor? Oh, let's talk. Actually, no. Let's do uh, let's do the college football because leagues yeah. are getting canceled. Leagues are getting announced. They're gonna stay. Um, go ahead, start us off. What do you think about all this college football stuff? Well, so far we had the Big Ten, Pac twelve, Mac, and Mountain West that have canceled. There's still three power fives that are going to play. Big 12, SEC, ACC. Obviously, the situation changes by the by the minute. Right. So, uh, everything could change. I, I, I would say right now, I, I would play fall sports. Again, I'm not a medical expert. I right. have to None of us are doctors here. Yeah. I would have to hear what they're saying. Some doctors, conference doctors, saying it's safe to play some are. So, you know, I think it's just based on what the, the where you are, what the conference, the Pac-12. Obviously, there's a little bit more flare-ups in their area than the, mm-hmm. let's say, the Northeast does. I think it just depends where you are. 
Right. And I think no Congress should get ridiculed for any decision they make. If they cancel or if they don't cancel. My question to you is, if Big Ten and Pac-12 are out, if they play a championship season this year, is it a real champion, yes or no? Absolutely not. You've, Me, elim- you've eliminated half the competition, even more than that. I agree, it's absolutely not. And Ohio State was going to be arguably number one team. Of course. Oregon was going to be a top ten team that's out. So I would arguably say it's, it's not a real champion. Yeah, and you know, it's a huge blow. And I, I know some of these uh, these um, leagues are going to play fall seasons. But it's a huge blow to these guys that were going to get drafted next year. Especially that Fields kid from Ohio State. He's not going to be, you know, his, his value is not going to tank at all. But this was a year where scouts are going to have all their eyes on him. And the, he was, he was, he's going to get drafted next, uh, next April. Yeah, and you know, right now, we're going to have fall. Again, right now, again, it changes by the minute. Right. So so we don't know what's going to happen, obviously. It, we could have no conferences play. I think it's going to be, you know, we really don't know right now. And I think, you know, we're going to have to see what happens. Right. And it's a, it's a fluid situation. And we don't, in the Northeast, uh, let's be honest, college football isn't what it like in the SEC down south. But no. if you ever go to one of these colleges down in the southeast, these towns, like these these local governments, are centered around their college football teams, the bars, the restaurants, the stadiums, the shops. Their 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 economies are fueled by college football, and it's a huge blow to places like I don't know, like let's look at Ohio State. Those local areas around the campus and around the stadium are really going to be affected this uh this fall by no football being played. Yeah, and, and to go on a point, Nebraska was part of the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Their chancellor threatened to leave the conference if they didn't say, play. How can you make? Yeah, how can you make this decision? The Big Ten should be ashamed of itself. That's why I said right there. I thought Nebraska got way out of line. Yeah, really. You're in the middle of a global pandemic, like cool, you know. I don't think anybody should really make any statements. I think you know, decisions a decision. Right. That that's it in the end. And you know what? If they do leave to play football for you, I would kick them out. Oh yeah, don't let them back in. It's because you're not going to play during a cold pandemic. You're going to kick them. Uh, you're not going to play. It's ridiculous. The yeah, Nebraska's be ashamed of themselves. I think in the end, whatever decision the conferences make to play or not to play, they should not be ridiculed at uh, whatever decision they make. Right, and the and the the players, regardless of of what they decide, the players don't have a say. In it. It's college football. It's like the the players don't have a say in what they do or if they play and if they don't play. So it's it's really it's well, up to these chancellors to decide. Obviously, because they had this big uh, movement on Sunday night, but we want to play, and that didn't really help in the end. No, it didn't. And it's just because these these college football players are used; they don't have a voice. They don't get to. They don't get to. They they don't get to do it. You know, professional athletes get to do it. That's because you know they're in college. Yeah. Um. One more thing: the football um test results came back, sitting around point four point five uh, positivity rate between player, staff, and coaches, and it's very positive news as training camp opened up a couple weeks ago. So the past couple days, I've been a little concerned to whether we were playing football this uh this fall. But these numbers coming back today look pretty good, but it could change in a heartbeat. You know, a snap of the finger, you have an outbreak on a team like you see in baseball. But um, so far, so good. So far, so good. And one thing about the NFL is if college doesn't play, you could see NFL games Saturday, Friday night. Right, and that's that's going to be good because think I, I I think about this a lot. 
this these NBA and NHL seasons are going to end at some point in October. From no, no from late October to November, there's going to be no sports on during the weekday. And normally, you'd have that basketball game, you have that hockey game on. In no in in late October and all of November, there's going to be no games on during the weekday. So yeah. if I were the NFL. I would spread these games out over the next couple weeks. I mean, not over the next couple weeks, but in those November weeks. Well, because right now you only be scheduled to have a Monday night and Thursday night. Right. I would do one, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then your regular Sunday sleep. Like, get take advantage of the no sports coming back in November. Yeah, I think the one thing is about the Friday night is I think there's a contract that they can't do Friday night games because of high school football. With high school but football? I think- wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I think there's something with that. They can't do Friday night games for some reason. So I don't know if they could get a little pulse with that for this season. But Ooh, you know what? Night- You're right, because they also can't do Saturday games during the regular season of college football. That's why yeah. the, the Saturday games are so late in the NFL season. Yeah. So And and I think high school college football is being played. At least my high school is playing college football. Uh, I think my, my high school, I think New Jersey high school football season delayed until October. And they're gonna play six games and no state champions on a real season. Yeah, well, our our guys are playing. I mean, down here in in Central Jersey, trip, you know, it's, we're a uh, Central Jersey, so they take their high school football really, really seriously down here. So uh, they're gonna they're out in training camp ready. They're going to play, but um, yeah. So my oh, yeah. optim, go ahead. I mean, in South in Central Jersey, it's much easier to follow high school football in North. We got you know forty thousand divisions. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and we got eighty thousand teams. Meanwhile, in Central Jersey, you got like. Uh, for like a hundred miles, two divisions. Right, I think we got like ten teams in our division, and there's like they're all like hours spread apart. Not even I shouldn't say hours, like half hour apart. Yeah, we got tons of teams up here. Yeah, but um, so yeah, optimism for the NFL season for me at least is uh, it's it's getting up there. Right, it's, right now I'd say I'm I'm at fifty fifty. Before today, I was probably at seventy thirty, no season. Yeah, how about the Cardinals? I haven't played since July twenty ninth. What's going on? Yeah, we when we're gonna see some Cardinal baseball again. It's getting ridiculous. Yeah, one of my friends was saying that. What about if they don't play until if they're postponed this weekend again? He says they could shut the Cardinals down and let everybody else continue. Wouldn't that be crazy though? That's what that's what I think you have to call off the season. Hey, that's hey. It's not a it's not a foolish statement to make. It's not, but the Marlins are able to come back. Why can't the Cardinals? Well, I think the Cardinals outbreak has been a little bit longer than the Marlins one. Uh, That that is true, but it hasn't been as big. Like you have the, no. you have these reserve. I think there were ten positives. I think you can find ten guys in your alternate training site. Like the Miami Marlins had sixty five percent of their roster infected with COVID. Well, the Cardinals have nothing near that. They're not even at half. Well, most of the Marlins roster is minor leaguers anyway. That's true. They are. But it, so that's crazy. It's it really it really is crazy. I don't know what they're gonna do. Doubleheader tomorrow. I heard got postponed. Yeah. It, I don't. It, are they even gonna play this weekend? Uh, that's still up in the air. I have I have no clue what they're gonna do, man. They're in a weird spot, but it, it seems like everything else is working at least. It's just the it's these teams that don't obey the protocols, and we saw it in Cleveland a couple days ago with Clevenger and Plezak. I don't obey the protocols that are gonna suffer the consequences. And good on the Indians for sending those guys home. And Major League Baseball, for the most part, seems to have done a good job with it. I'm surprised they we lasted seen- this long. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, they seem to have done a good job here, and uh, you know. I I would be up to for the po- at the postseason bubble, which has been talked about. Mm-hmm. I would be all for that. Oh, I'm hundred percent for that. If they can somehow get these guys in a safer environment where you don't have to live with the fact that the season could get canceled, I think that's good for the players. 
It's good for the fans, and it, it's just safer for everyone. Yeah. And one more thing. Cincinnati Reds have passed a uh, new thing. They're going to get fans in the stadium some point in uh, September. Is the MLB allowed that? It's up to the teams. And the the, the Cincinnati, uh, go- not Cincinnati, the Ohio government is allowing the Reds to get fans in there at some point in September. So they're going to be the first sports uh, organization to have fans in their stadium. Well, at some point in September, that could be uh, that could be like a week. It could, yeah. It, we're getting close to September, dude. I don't realize hey, it. And like, and like you said before, September. That's what right now. It's just again, who that, that changes by the minute. Right, everything changes by the minute. But you know what? We get closer to September. We're getting closer to football season, hopefully. And I can't wait to do a ton of football stuff on here. It's gonna be great. I mean, we we've been rambling for about ten minutes now, but I can't wait to get some football done on here. Yeah. Um. You want anything else, Trevor? That's it. Yeah. We 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 went on for a long time, me and Trevor. But um, I'm Joe Morales of Trevor Markowski. You can get me on Twitter at Joe Morales underscore. This has been the MDM podcast.